from what you gathered, from what George has said, you will recognize that I'm a very busy man. But that's only because I am a diabetic and need very little speech, very little sleep. Your Excellencies, Mr. Minister, I would like to first of all thank the organizers for this prestigious award with some sense of trepidation and emotion and I'm very thankful for this. I would like to think that this award does not only reflect on whatever little I have achieved but I think it reflects well on all those people who have worked with me for the past 40 years, friends, partners, people in our offices, my family of course and especially my little brother. With all of them I've been through thick and thin over the last 40 years which I've spent in ship owning, ship management, engineering, a little bit of commercial work, but always trying hard to achieve whatever it was that we were planning to achieve. And indeed, over these last 40 years, things have come a long way. Those of you in this room who have started the business as long, as, as long back as I have, will remember that in those days, the dream of every young ship owner was to buy a small, old little ship, do a few profitable voyages, and then with the profits buy another small, little, old ship, and go on in this way. Today things have changed greatly, and one of the forms in which they have changed is that the then tarnished and compromised image of the Greek fleet, the Greek-owned fleet and the Greek-flagged fleet has changed dramatically from being probably at that time the most compromised and worst in the world to being the best one and the highest considered today in the world. As you know, the Greek-owned fleet has become the largest in the world around about the year 1981 and it has since then grown steadily in size. And what is perhaps most surprising, and if you recall some years back the discussions that China would overcome in terms of shipping capacity, both Japan and also Greece, very fast and very easily in the coming years, well, I can tell you, or those who follow the statistics will probably know it, that the difference between us Greeks and Japan, which is the second largest owned fleet in the world, and China, which is the third largest owned fleet in the world, not only has it diminished over the last few years, but it has widened. So we are further ahead of the Japanese and the Chinese and everybody else than we were a few years back. And if that is not significant, then I don't really know what is. Now, everyone present here deals with ships and ship owning and ship management every day of one's life. And this is what we are very good at. This is what we teach the world how it is done. And the simple reason why we can do that is because we do possess a know-how which we have collected over the last two and a half thousand years. 
There was no empire and no large country for whom we were not the transporters of its goods, its trade, and have been very material in its progress and affluence. And I don't need to name all these from the prehistoric times, the classical times, Roman, Byzantine, Ottoman Empire, until Greek shipowning has started to take on a size and the shape of itself, which led to the explosion of the Greek-owned fleet starting in the 19th century and then in the 20th century until, as I said, around about the early 80s, we became the largest fleet in the world. But whilst we are very good at practical terms, in practical terms about real life things, we seem to be lagging behind and you know, congratulating ourselves is all, all very nice, but we must recognize that there are some areas in which we are not that accomplished. And I also hadn't given much account to this until Greece thought that I should claim the presidency of the European Shipowners Association. And I have then and thus came to realize that there are areas which are quite important and on which we Greeks lag behind. And we lag behind for very specific reasons, the most important of which was that until today there was no reason for us to expose ourselves to European and world events so much because simply we were feeling that keeping a low radar signature and staying be below the screen was probably the best thing to do. Unfortunately, things have changed today and matters of political and strategical issues are very much at the center of European policy and these are the areas in which we also have to adapt ourselves and get closer to where things are happening. And things in shipping policy today are indeed happening in Europe. They are happening where all the stakeholders sit, among them and, and foremostly the European Parliament, the Council of Ministers of course, but essentially the European Commission. And unless we are close to them, unless we are able to bring to them our own strategic and tactical positions and make them the center of the discussion in Europe, we are going to lag behind because the center of gravity of the European discussions right now lies somewhere else. It lies in what we call here the general shipping cluster. Now, everyone knows what the cluster is, except in Europe people equate the cluster with shipping, whereas for all of us here, shipping is something else. It's our ships, our steel, our seamen, our cargo. That's all it is, but Unfortunately, this part of the business does not have a large enough constituency. And thus in Europe, people tend to listen more to what the cluster says and consider us as a byproduct or as a, as a parallel product. We want to take the initiative and refocus this discussion and bring the ship owning, of course within the cluster, but trying to either either control the cluster or at least bring to the forward the importance of ship owning and ships. 
This is one of the first tasks which I think we have to do under the current presidency of EXA. The second thing is, again for well-known reasons, the importance of our kind of fleet, the long distance, the blue water, the Trump fleet, is not understood and is not recognized and acknowledged in Europe as it should be. There are again several reasons for this. One is that again we don't have a strong enough representation, we don't have that many European seafarers on board our ships, like for example short sea shipping or passenger ships have. And a number of other reasons as a result of which Europe and the stakeholders in Europe do not realize the strategic importance of this particular fleet, which, by the way, as we all know, amounts to more than 75% of the total European fleet. So, we want and we have to shift the balance of the discussion towards showing to everybody and engaging with everybody to show the strategic importance of this part of the European fleet, not only for Europe, but for the entire Western world. And this connects to one of the main, if not the main, political discussion around shipping in Europe, which is the discussion around the competitiveness of the European fleet. And obviously, the discussion about competitiveness involves mainly this part of the fleet, the Trump fleet, because only this fleet is in danger of being lost through emigration to other shipping centers abroad and mostly in the Far East, which offer more beneficial conditions for fleets to go and relocate there. And imagine if one day, like it has happened in the past, again due to disastrous European policies when we have lost the entire European shipbuilding to the Far East, if one day Europe and the Western world loses this transparent and capable transport fleet and has to carry its goods, conduct its trade, and have its prosperity and affluence controlled by fleets and by ships built, operated, manned, and directed from its industrial competitors in the Far East. Now that would be an outright disaster. I don't want to tire you too much. I want to once again express my thanks to the organizers and everyone else who, ha who has stood at my side and Anthanasi's side for all these long years. We have had a family that, like all families, have their disagreements, but we have gone a long way and I'm quite happy with what we have achieved. Slowly the time now comes to pass the decision-making and the business to some younger people. I'm also, I mentioned this at the beginning, there are some people here who have been with us for decades and uh, we are very happy and grateful for this. Again, something that we find in Greece quite in an extensive way and we don't see this in Europe, people coming and sticking with you through thick and thin for a long period of time. So, once again, thank you very much, and just to finish off by one 
observation. Greece in the last few years has been a place of misery. And we have spent and occupied our times talking about this miserous circumstances. But what makes us very happy is to speak about shipping, our ships and our fleets. And why is that? It is because simply it gives us the opportunity to speak about a different Greece. A Greece which is well respected in the world. Greece where its representatives, be it ministers or other dignitaries or even representatives of ship-owning enterprises and unions, when they attend international and European fora, the representatives of the superpowers wait until the Greek minister or the Greek representative speaks up first in order to decide their policy. Greece, which, and this is quite interesting to note, is in shipping 50 times more powerful than it is as a nation among all the other nations in the world, if one uses the yardstick of the GDP comparison. So all this makes us very proud and very happy. And I must say that I'm fully convinced that right now all Greeks realize this across all the social spectrum, across all the political spectrum. And by the way, the relations between the ship, shipping community and all the political parties is excellent today. So we can look forward to continuing this profitable path and I look forward to many, many such opportunities in the future and Nicholas, thank you very much for this prodigious honor. We are most obliged. Thank you very much to all.